0: This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn more about Reynolds' online retailing approach by visiting rayray.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's RUI, dot slash retail anywhere.
1: Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, August 29th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News.
2: And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... Honda and LG are the latest to put billions into a new EV battery plant. Lithia looks to expand across the pond, and Elon Musk's plans for Tesla's self-driving tech just got more ambitious. Plus, a conversation about Ford's new Mustang, which is probably the last version we'll see with a gasoline-powered engine.
3: This is an opportunity for them to showcase the best of what Mustang has been. And it really comes at a time where Ford is trying to reinvent itself.
2: Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry.
1: Honda and LG Energy Solution say they'll invest almost four and a half billion dollars to build lithium ion batteries in the US. The batteries would be for Honda and Acura brand EVs. The new battery plant will have an annual capacity for about 40 gigawatt hours of pouch type batteries. The automaker says the location of the plant has not been finalized, but construction is slated to start in early 2023, with mass production beginning by the end of 2025. The ramp up comes as Honda plans to build about 800,000
2: electric vehicles in North America by 2030. Lithia has made no secret of its interest in expanding across the Atlantic to the United Kingdom eventually. As of last year, CEO Brian DeBoer said that market was probably two to five years out, but it looks like Lithia has sped up its interest in the UK. According to a report from Sky News, the Oregon-based dealership group was the unidentified bidder in a failed attempt to buy Pendragon, one of the largest auto retailers in the UK. In an August 5th regulatory filing, Pendragon said a, quote, large international corporate presented a board-approved, non-binding offer for the dealership group that was later withdrawn. Reuters reported that the bid was valued at almost $560 million.
1: Tesla CEO Elon Musk says the company can pull off a wide release of its self-driving technology by the end of the year. Speaking at an energy conference in Norway today, Musk said his attention was currently focused on his SpaceX Starship spacecraft, and self-driving Tesla cars.
2: The two technologies I'm focused on trying to ideally get done before the end of the year are getting our Starship uh, to orbit, uh, which I think is important for expanding consciousness uh, beyond Earth um, and life beyond Earth. And and then uh, having the Tesla cars be able to do self-driving, have self-driving in wide release, at least in the US and and hopefully uh, potentially in Europe, depending on regulatory approval.
1: Musk also said the world must continue to extract oil and gas in order to sustain civilization while also
2: developing sustainable sources of energy. While Elon Musk looks to outer space and self-driving, Lucid looks to catch up with Tesla in the luxury EV space. It's moving up market with the $249,000 Sapphire edition of its Air Sedan. The model leverages Lucid's in house technology to take on Tesla, as well as legacy rivals such as Mercedes Benz and BMW at the high end. Lucid launched last year with the limited run AirDream Edition at $169,000, excluding shipping. That quickly sold out, laying the groundwork for the Sapphire sub brand as a performance oriented next step the Air Sapphire launches next year. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, Honda has had a lot of production over the years come out of Ohio. Do you think that would be an ideal location for them to open their battery plant with LG? It's certainly
1: a viable option and one that would have a lot of historical resonance. Of course, Ohio is where Honda made their first motorcycles in the U.S. It's where they made their first cars outside of Japan, It's a place they've invested a lot. They've really developed the workforce there and could totally be an option, but Ohio can't take it for granted. They certainly have to consider places like Alabama and Tennessee. Could be a lot
2: of options on the table for Honda. Well, since we're making the move towards batteries, coming up, Ford is getting ready to unveil what will probably be its last gasoline-powered Mustang. Automotive News Ford reporter, Marco Martinez, joins us to talk about what the launch means for Ford and its future. That's next on Daily Drive.
0: Customer wants to sign documents remotely? No problem. Customer wants to provide documentation and their driver's license in person? No problem. Customer wants to have their vehicle delivered? No problem. There are a lot of steps to complete a car deal, but what happens when customers start online and end in-store, or vice versa? You need a seamless, consistent process to start work and finalize every vehicle purchase no matter where the customer is. Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds and Reynolds, explains how. Retail Anywhere is is powered by the retail management system. So the retail management system is the engine that, that kind of makes this all work. And it's based on the premise that customers can be anywhere, right? They can be in store, they can be at home, they can be a hybrid of both. It doesn't really matter, but it's a single process of interacting with that customer. And that's, you know, really important to be consistent in that way. And it's only achievable through a single system like the retail management system. Regardless of where the customer is buying from and how, Retail Anywhere focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this holistic approach to digital retailing, visit rayray.com forward slash Retail Anywhere. That's reyrey.com slash Retail Anywhere.
1: Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The gasoline-powered Mustang's days, or at least years, may be numbered. At next month's North American International Detroit Auto Show, Ford plans to unveil its new Mustang. Whether the iconic sports car lives on in the future as an EV, or if the Mustang name will be relegated to the Mach-E crossover, time will tell. Michael Martinez covers Ford for Automotive News. We talked about his front-page story in our latest print edition, which looks at the future of Ford's beloved pony car, and other important gasoline powered models. Here's our conversation. Michael Martinez, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. So you've had a, a busy week uh, last week. You had a lot of, uh, you had some scoops. We have a, a front page story on the print version of Automotive News this week talking about Ford's future product. And of course, you know, you, it just, it all starts with the Mustang. What does this seventh generation Mustang represent for Ford?
3: Well, it really represents a final go at gasoline muscle cars, right? Ford sort of dominated that pony car segment since the sixties. And this is an opportunity for them to showcase the best of what Mustang has been. And it really comes at a time where Ford is trying to reinvent itself. And it comes at a time when the Mustang brand is reinventing itself. You have a second nameplate already in the Mustang Mach-E that shares that badge, shares that name so far this year. Mach-E is outselling the gas-powered Mustang in this, you know, representative of this larger shift to EVs. So Ford's reinventing this vehicle, giving it one last go, but it's also acknowledging the change that's happening within the company.
1: Yeah. I mean, of course, when we see the the relative sales, it's really about the production that the companies choose to make, right? I mean, there's not excess. It's not like people are refusing to buy the gas-powered Mustang. It's just the availability, right, of the two.
3: Well, that's a big factor. Although at the same time, you know, that segment, the sort of the Challenger Mustang Camaro segment has really gone downhill in recent years. Mustang's been leading that, but you even see the Challenger on what, 15-year-old chassis beating the Mustang in prior recent years. Uh, So, you know, fewer and fewer people are opting into these types of sports cars. But yeah, to your point, Ford is prioritizing vehicles like the Mach-E, like the F-Series, uh, when it does get chips in.
1: Well, and the demand's been really strong for that Mach-E. It's not a cheap vehicle, <laughs> and yet they you know, have, a. I think, it seems like a, a wait list for them, and people are, are really proud of them. They love to drive them. And while they're not terribly Mustang-like in the style, or certainly in the body style, there's a, a lot of appeal and a, and a lot of interest.
3: Definitely. Mustang-like enough for Bill Ford to sign off on the use of the name. He had to do that himself before they were allowed to, to go with it. And, you know, you mentioned not cheap. They're getting more expensive. Ford citing the ongoing chip shortage, rising material costs, saying we need to bump up the price because the early profits we were making on this thing got wiped out by everything that's going on in the broader industry. So we're jacking up the price this past week, they said, between $3,000 and 8000 depending on the trend.
1: That's significant. Although, um, it'll be, of course, uh, you know, customers don't like to see that, but it's not like they have a whole lot of other options. Most of the EVs that the Mach-E competes with uh, just lost their $7,500 <laughs> uh, federal tax credit. So that maybe gives uh, Ford
3: a little bit of leverage, a little bit of cushion there. Exactly. And you see a lot of the responses to that news about Ford jacking up the prices was, oh, they're just going to, you know, cancel out basically the rebate we'll be getting. And, you know, that's, I don't know if there's a whole lot of truth in that, but looking at it from that perspective, you know, you could sort of see where they're coming from.
1: It's supply and demand. If people are willing to pay the higher prices and Ford feels they needed in order to not lose money on these
3: vehicles, then got to go for it. Yeah. Their whole point there is to try to Return to profitability, that's something they've wanted out of these first-gen EVs, at least when they came out, right, around 2020 or so when we started to see the reveals. But just the market conditions have really sort of put a, a damper on those plans.
1: So within Ford's product portfolio, you had a story last week about the Transit Connect being phased out, and you even are writing about the Escape I mean, one of the Ford's really you know, top selling models in the last decade or two being in its phase out process.
3: That's right. Although you have to keep in mind with this future product reporting, it's very much a snapshot in time, right? We're talking about things two, three, four years out in some cases, but at least as of right now, according to my sourcing, Ford has no plans for a next generation escape or Lincoln Corsair for that matter, sort of the sister vehicle there. They have no plans to sell the Transit Connect in the States after next year. They had planned to build it down in Mexico, in Hermosillo, alongside the Maverick and the Bronco Sports on the same platform, but they've canceled those plans. They're just going to sell that vehicle in Europe. Apparently, the cost of importing doesn't justify the the relatively low sales of the Transit Connect. They can make up for that.
1: Talking about hot product, that Maverick, you know, has been an incredibly short supply uh, the Bronco sports been very popular, probably at a little better price point than the escape. So maybe we'll see more of those that are kind of all on the same platform, but maybe more of those models that are really popular in the U S right now.
3: And that's really Ford's strategy. They're trying to prioritize the models that one are profitable and two are popular, Jim Farley calls them their icons. And all the executives seem to think the Maverick, although it's brand new, will be one of those icons. So when you really distill Ford's strategy between the ICE and the EV products, down to one word if you had to. On EVs, it's all about scale, right? They're trying to scale up Mach-E, Lightning, E-Transit before they expand that lineup. They're really scaling those three. On the ICE side, it's all about derivatives. It's all about special editions. It's about expanding those sub-brands they have for Mustang, for Bronco, for F-Series, and really putting these products that people want, that people are passionate about, uh, more in the spotlight. And moving away from commodity-like products, to use Jim Farley's words, in edges and escapes that, that they don't currently have planned for the U.S.
1: That's a really interesting and uh, well concise description of the two-pronged strategy. You also had a scoop about the uh, job cuts that Ford is undertaking. It's not quite as many as some had uh, anticipated, but you know, significant, thousands of jobs and not just in the Ford Blue internal combustion engine business. What's going on? What's the thinking at Ford around the need for these cuts?
3: Well, Ford has said for months now that the way the business is set up is uncompetitive in a lot of instances when they're going up against startups like rivian or lucid or whatever or or even tesla you know more established ev automakers that don't have a lot of the built-in costs that these legacy guys are dealing with and if they want to compete and pivot to evs to software technology they need to reorganize the business and they need new talent so with that being said the talent that is there you know, implicitly, they they don't need that, right? Or they need to move on beyond it. And that's what we're seeing in these cuts. 2000 salary positions, 1000 contract agency jobs, really tough week for a lot of people, especially in Michigan, where, where a majority of these cuts came. And really, it's across the board, you can't just say it's just on the old business of gas vehicles. There were cuts to the Model E unit for EVs. Looking through LinkedIn this past week, I saw a number of Autonomous vehicle developers, software engineers, there was even somebody engineer on the next generation Mustang program that was let go this past week. So it's really across the board in a lot of areas that you wouldn't necessarily expect, but Ford thinks it needs to sort of call these positions and really change the way it works. In some cases, downsize within their own you know organizations, really sort of streamline the work and try to better compete and move quicker against some of these startups.
1: You've also reported, right, it's going to really be revealed at the Detroit Auto Show. I think you said Jim Farley's trying to rally the the Mustang fans to uh, to make their presence known.
3: Yeah, that's right. They're taking advantage of the Detroit Auto Show's new indoor-outdoor format, and they're calling on the Mustang faithful, anybody who has an older-generation Mustang to be part of what they're calling the stampede and it, it doesn't involve live horses anywhere i think the automakers <laughs> have learned their lesson in terms of auto shows and, and live animals but the stampede will involve basically a parade of mustang owners in their cars driving from dearborn world headquarters to downtown detroit towards revealing the seventh generation mustang at Hart plaza right along the detroit river at 8 p.m on september 14th so anybody who has one is interested you know you can reach out to ford ford has some information on how to sign up so it should be you know one final celebration for what's expected to be the last gas mustang
1: definitely a strong culture within the uh, the mustang loyal folks and i know you'll be there uh, to cover it all michael martinez ford reporter at automotive news thank you so much for taking the time to join daily drive today thanks so much michael martinez covers ford for automotive news you can read his story on Ford's new Mustang on autonews.com or on the front page of our latest print edition.
2: That's Daily Drive for
1: today. I'm Jamie Butters.
2: And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Near for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on electrification, battery manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com come back tomorrow for a conversation with consultant
1: and transportation strategist Selika Josiah Talbot about building a reliable, equitable transportation system and her argument for creating a czar who oversees AV and EV policy across the federal government. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.